I'm not going to try to take your mind away from Christmas time. Appreciate Sister Debbie taking the challenge to divert us from Christmas time and think about something important. Praise God. He killed the pigs. He killed my pigs. The pastor got up and said that if we went long today, some of you may feel like that. And I said, yeah, he, I will blame him for burning the beans. Now, you have to almost be a hillbilly to know what that means. But when I was a kid, we put beans on the table or on a, in a pot for after church on Sunday. And if revival broke out, you burned the beans. The smell of bean, burnt beans became the sign of a revival. Praise God. You wouldn't know that living in the city. Praise God. I'm sure some of you do. It's an honor to be here, but I do want to think of maybe about an aspect of Christmas that uh, is sometimes missed, and I'm sure that what I'm going to share with you, you know some aspect of it, but maybe I can put it together in such a way that it has a renewed meaning. Praise God. And so, if you'll give us the first slide, and I'm not going to ask for slides, brethren, if you can just try to follow me. I appreciate it. I will not think to look at that sign up there. I want to talk to you about what I might consider the first Christmas gift. In fact, the people that received the first Christmas gift knew about it nine months early. You'll understand that as I'm going along. Just a few people knew beforehand, but the first Christmas gift. But before we can identify that, I've got to give you some history so you can understand how important this was to the receivers of the first Christmas gift. And I, I will tell you today that that first gift is still available this Christmas. But before we get there, you need to understand that Jesus was not the first deliverer in Israel. Now, he was the first one who was also God. But understand that they had deliverers before Jesus. For example, Abraham, the father of many, he led a few people out of the Ur of Chaldees and became the deliverer of them. Joseph led the Israelites out of a place of starvation and to a land where they could be fed in Egypt. Moses, the one drawn from the water, was the one who was the deliverer from slavery in Egypt. David was a deliverer in a sense, beloved, one who drew them back to God and to worshiping God. Nehemiah and Ezra both led them out of Babylon or <coughs> the land where they had served 70 years as slaves. But all of these were a series or a succession 
of deliverers. And so when Jesus came, the fact that he was a deliverer in and of itself was not unique. It was not uncommon. It was not unthought of in the Jewish mind because the deliverers had been many. Also, it would help you to appreciate this, to know that throughout the Old Testament, the word that we will now pronounce as Yahweh actually had no pronunciation. Theologians refer to it as the Tetragrammaton, or if that's not the exact pronunciation, you scholars forgive me. But Yahweh was never me meant to be pronounced. It was a placeholder. It was a placeholder for something that was not known. For a name that had not yet been given. Ancient Jews, when reading the Hebrew scriptures, would merely pause. By the time of the Romans and by the time of the Greek, this word Yahweh, instead of pausing, they would substitute the word Adonai, which meant Lord or Master, but again was not a name. It was just a, an attempt at respect for something that was not known. This search for a name permeated all of the Old Testament. The more I search and the more I look at this, the more amazed I begin, I become. From the very earliest parts of Scripture, we find in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26, almost from the very opening pages of the Word of God, it says, then begin men to call upon the name of the Lord. This concept is, covers 4,000 years of history when the name of God was secret. The judges, God meeting with Samson's parents, why do you ask me what the name is? You know the name is secret. And yet, it didn't stop Manoah, Samson's mother, from asking the age-old question, what is your name? Looking back at the scripture we mentioned in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26, Cain has now killed Abel. Adam and Eve has been thrown out of the garden. But as this renewed interest in Seth and his descendants in the pursuit of God, it was there that they began to call <coughs> upon the name of the Lord. If somebody has some water, I would appreciate it. Hallelujah. I rarely ask for water, but I'm... I don't know if it's because I've just talked too much this week or something. <laughs> Delaware weather. But all of this wickedness in Genesis chapter 3 and 4 
lead up to another young man, Seth, who has a desire to communicate with God and and he demonstrates this by calling upon the name of the Lord. Now understand that when the text says that they called upon the name of the Lord, they had no name to express. Interestingly enough, I begin to look at an article that was just published in the last couple of weeks in a theological journal, and he talks about how this concept was the backbone of, man, I will definitely not preach long now. <laughs> just joking, just joking. Lord, forgive me, I just lied. But this, this concept, in fact, what this journal article is about is in the original Hebrew text, it's not as obvious. There are dozens of places we can turn to where it says that they called upon the name of the Lord. But when the Septuagint, the Greek translation that was, came into existence just prior to the birth of Jesus and the translation from the Hebrew Old Testament to the Greek Old Testament, that in the Greek Old Testament, there is from just dozens of clearly identified markers of where men begin to call on the name of the Lord, that in the Greek Septuagint, Septuagint there's 184 times they use the specific Greek word that means that people called upon the name of a deity for assistance. Now, that doesn't mean they're changing it, but there was something happening at the time of Jesus' birth where people were, their, their heart was passionate and beating after the name of the Lord. They didn't have a name to call. If you was to call on my name, you'd, you'd scream, Joey, and if it was for dinner, I'd come quickly. If it was for a chore, it would be a long-time response. But if you were to call on me, you would call me by my name. But understand in the Old Testament, they did not know the name of the Lord. But there is some connection with people drawing close to God in the Old Testament that made them spontaneously cry out, what is your name? For example, in Genesis 21 and 33, there Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and there he called on the name of the Lord. Genesis chapter 32, Jacob, he spent his whole life conniving and supplanting and cheating his family and his in-laws and, and everybody, but he, he goes down into a valley the, the, at the Ford of Jaboth Valley or Ford and there he wrestles with an angel there he, he is in a tug of war with God. I would think that if I was given the gift, Pastor Beardsley, to, to wrestle with God, I, I'm not sure that the name would be, you know, high on my priority. Maybe health or wealth or good looks or something I've never had I would, I would want to utilize. 
the advantage of being close to God, but over and over again when these, these, these close encounters, we find Jacob when he, 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 he finally, the angel's gonna leave and the only thing that's on his, on, his, on his mind, it wasn't deliver me from my brother, it wasn't bring me safely to my parents, but it was tell me, I pray thee thy name. Foremost on every Jewish mind was this name. Moses in Exodus chapter three encounters God in a burning bush. Hallelujah. He, he sees all kinds of miraculous things that are done at the behest of God in a burning bush. And what does he want to know? What does he want to be equipped with? What does he want in his power? Just tell me Thy name. I can't hardly grasp the full impact when God began to respond that Moses thought that maybe, maybe, as God begins to communicate, maybe he's going to tell me his name. Maybe I'm the one. And God said, and to Moses, I am that I am. A tremendous revelation of who God is. And I would certainly not want to minimize the words I am, but understand that this was not the name that the, that the prophets had foretold. This was not the name that Moses would have wanted. It was powerful. It equipped Moses to do what he wanted to do. But it was still not the name. The name that would be given on a Christmas day to a baby born in a manger. The psalmist sang of his name. Unto thee, O Lord, O God, we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. Why? Because thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. I wonder sometimes if his name doesn't have the same value because we hold it so loosely and so freely each day that we serve him. As we approach Christmas, we all can cry out, Jesus. Yet, if you look in the Oxford Dictionary under Jesus, it will tell you it is the Christian name of God. And then the second definition is that it's a curse word. I wonder if the familiarity of such a name decreased its value. Brother Moss and my wife and I and Sister Moss this morning were talking about coins and valuable coins. And, and uh, one of the things that makes a coin valuable is its rarity. Nobody knows how precious something is until you don't have it. How many broken homes have I held in my arms from either divorce or sin or, or whatever it may be and they didn't realize how good they had something until it was gone. 
Parents often don't understand how precious a child is until they end up in South America for Christmas. And then, oh, or in Florida. Or my kids spread to the three corners, it seems like, of the United States. I wonder if some of that is what goes on with us who so readily receive of that first Christmas gift, the name of Jesus. We carry it with us each day and everywhere we go. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't known and it was valued. It was the name that was wonderful and its works were declarable among the nations. The psalmist sings in 8 and 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Isaiah the prophet, I, I, I try to get my mind into the mind of Isaiah. He's writing, and if you've ever written under the anointing, hallelujah, it's, a, it's an amazing experience to write things and then look back and say, surely God has been with me as I wrote this. And so as Isaiah is writing, as he's divinely inspired, he, he begins to write Isaiah, hallelujah. And he says, therefore, thy, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. I can't help but imagine in my vivid imagination that Isaiah must have paused there, hallelujah, and said, oh, this is anointing. I'm gonna have the name. And then almost a disappointment when he writes out Emmanuel, God with us. Again, a wonderful attribute, a wonderful description of his name. But again, it's not the name. And then in Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name. If I would have been writing here, I'd had to get up and run around the table with excitement. I'm going to write it. Brother Beardsley, this is going to be the moment. Come on, God, his name shall be called. Wonderful. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be the name. I'm not trying to belittle these scriptures. These are all my favorite scriptures. Hallelujah. And you got to understand that this anointing flowed through the writers. These were wonderful revelations. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. All of these are wonderful revelatory terms that describes the name of God, but they're still not the name. And then Joel, the great prophet who prophesied Pentecost, he prophesied that great day when your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vision and upon their handmaidens they shall prophesy. He talked of these Pentecostal days. Hallelujah. And he, as he's writing then, he says, and whosoever in that day shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. 
And again, remember, 184 times in the Greek Septuagint, they called upon the name of the Lord. They called upon the name of the Lord. It was something that was permeating through every Jewish body that someday a name shall be given. Someday we'll know that name and it will be a wonderful name. It'll be a name, hallelujah, that describes Emmanuel. It will be a name that describes the Prince of Peace. And yet year after year, decade after decade, prophet after prophet, Zechariah said in 14 and 9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day, and there and shall there be one Lord, in that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. No longer will we need 10 descriptors to fully express or to be fully understand what his name in those days, those days that Joel talked about, those days that Isaiah talked about, those days that Zechariah talked about, that day that the singers sung about, that day was going to come on a Christmas day when finally, finally once and for all the Christmas gift, the Christmas gift that began all Christmas gifts would be given finally, finally, finally. The name is about to be given. If you just let my imagination run for a little while and maybe I'm influenced by working with this team all week, Hallelujah. But it just seemed like maybe God had got a team together and said, oh, look, guys, it's finally time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them. 4,000 years they've been trying to figure it out. 4,000 years. Hallelujah. They've been calling on a name they didn't know. 4,000 years they've been leaning and finding shelter and, and identifying with a name that didn't exist in their minds. And now I've got to give it to, somebody's got to get it first. I'm not sure how they came to the decision, but I don't think it would have been a team decision that said, I think, uh, I, I think there's a 13-year-old girl down there, a virgin, a nobody. She can't read, and she can't write, and she knows very little except for what she's heard around a, a cook stove or a kitchen stove or a kitchen table as people talked about the Messiah coming, about a name that would be given. I think I'm going to choose her poor, poverty-stricken, and nobody. I'm sure some, some angel must have spoke up right about that. Maybe we should find a king. Kings, this would be very powerful if we, if we told Herod. Somebody else might have had another different idea. Maybe a priest or somebody dignified, but somehow God must have been insistent. I think I shall tell a young girl 
And I don't know if the conversation really happened, but I wonder if somebody said, well, who will you tell next? Well, I think I'll tell, hmm, I think I'll tell a carpenter named Joseph. And so, after 4,000 years of crescendo, after 4,000 years of the singers singing about it, after 4,000 years of the prophets prophesying about it, we find in Luke chapter 1, an angel shows up, dispatched from the throne of God, and says, Behold, young lady, hallelujah, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. For the first time, the name the devils would fear. For the first time, the name that would bring healing to multitudes of thousands. The name that would wash away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. It's now spoken to a little girl. You're going to have a baby, and his name is Jesus. He cut his name is Jesus. And to make sure there's no confusion, he visits the man she's engaged to and said, Joseph, fear not to take unto thee, hallelujah, Mary, to be thy wife, for she shall bring forth a son, hallelujah, and thou, hallelujah, not only will Mary call him Jesus, but you're going to call him Jesus. Hallelujah. And not only are you going to call him Jesus, every Jew, hallelujah, that finds redemption at the cross is going to find it when they bow their knee. Hallelujah. And cry out, Jesus. Gentiles, hallelujah, are going to be welcomed into the kingdom. Joseph, you're not the only one. You may be the second one. You may just be a poor carpenter from Nazareth. But understand me, buddy. Hallelujah. We're starting. Hallelujah. A vibration and a wave on this Christmas that it's going to be different forever. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus means Jesus, Jehovah. God is my salvation. God is my deliverer. God is my rescuer. Hallelujah. This Christmas, I don't care what's under your tree. If you got a sugar daddy who put a $10,000 gold coin under there, it will not even begin to do for you what the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He got a rich uncle. Hallelujah. I said, if you got a rich uncle that gave you a new Mercedes, he won't do for you what Jesus will do. Hallelujah. Woo! My, 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 my. (sighs) 
I love feeling like this when I'm preaching. Because when I get to feeling like this, I don't even care what you think. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. I said his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Not just any name. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name. Hallelujah. It's not Stephen. It's not Joe. It's not Lil. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. There's something happens when the name of Jesus, hallelujah, becomes a rocking through your soul. It's a name above every name. Hallelujah. In Philippians, Paul said that at the name of Jesus, every, every, hallelujah, every, you can't get in any other way. You can't sneak in another door. Hallelujah. You got to come in with the name. Hallelujah. Acts 4 and 12, neither, neither. Hallelujah, you think you're gonna get there without the name? I'm telling you, you're fooling yourself. Neither is there salvation in any other. Hallelujah, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, I came in my Father's name. You cannot begin to understand the implications. If they hated Jesus for nothing else, they would have hated him for this statement. Hallelujah. For 4,000 years, hallelujah, a placeholder, hallelujah, was used in the Hebrew scriptures and they were not able to say his name. Hallelujah. But oh, Jesus said, I came in my father's name. You know what he was saying? He's saying you could go back to Genesis chapter one and it says in the beginning God, right there you could say in the beginning Jesus, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah. He created heavens and earth and the earth was without form and void, hallelujah, and darkness covered the face of the earth and then Jesus spoke. You know why he could do that? Because he and his father were one. Their name was one. Woo. Mighty God. Isaiah said it this way long before he knew the name. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer, and thy name is from everlasting. Hallelujah. Before the worlds were spoke into existence, angels sang and glorified the name. Hallelujah. As the cacophony of that eternal big bang exploded across the universe and planets came into being and worlds were born and cosmic dust began to circle the planets. In that moment, the angels were saying, hallelujah. 
Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. His name was from everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. John 14 and 26 tells us not only did the Father bear that name, hallelujah, even before it was known, but Jesus said, I must go away, hallelujah, because I want the Comforter to come. And don't be dismayed because the Comforter is going to come in my name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a worthy venture to try to figure out the Godhead. But just understand that they are one and their name is one. Hallelujah. Praise God. You don't even have to understand them. Just know that in some way they've existed since before time. Hallelujah. And even though the name wasn't known for 4,000 years, they knew the name. Hallelujah. Because the name is from everlasting. Praise God. And now the comforter is going to be sent and no longer is it going to be unknown and no longer is it going to be on the lips of a virgin and the lips of a, of a of a shepherd or the lips of a farmer or the lips hallelujah of a carpenter or the lips of wise men from the east but now I'm going to put that name in your heart hallelujah I said I'm going to put that name in your heart you talk about making the full scale from we don't know what it is to it's in my heart <laughs> That's what Christmas is all about. It was the culmination of a plan that no man understood fully. Hallelujah. That a baby was going to be born. Hallelujah. And that baby was going to bear a name to which everybody would bow and everybody would find redemption and everybody would find salvation. Hallelujah. One of Jesus' last commands on this earth was go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that name was Jesus. Hallelujah. He never intended for us to repeat those words. He intended for us to fulfill them. If you want to keep right on acting like you're in the Old Testament and using descriptors, to explain God you go right ahead but I want the name let me just slow down and say that one more time you can keep right on using descriptors to explain God but don't be surprised when you live without the power and you live without the glory and you live without the wonder and you live without the might that comes in his name Jesus Nick told me the good thing about this microphone is I can just really rear back my head and yell and it won't hurt nothing. Hallelujah, I'm just gonna take advantage of that. Jesus, Jesus. Can anybody feel it vibrating in your soul? Jesus. It's not surprising. Not surprising that Peter's given the keys to the kingdom. He 
He's like a new, new preacher. Jesus just got him on the team. He'd been following that single leader for three years. Now Jesus says it's time to make a team out of this. Hallelujah. Peter gets it first. He gets to preach first. Hallelujah. He gets... Some of you can't understand what it's like to bear a burden and a calling and a passion down inside of your soul. Hallelujah. You can't understand what it feels like for someone like me if I don't preach. Hallelujah. Paul said, whoa, whoa. Unto me if I preach not the gospel. Hallelujah. Peter been hanging around for three years, messing up and messing out. Hallelujah. Getting caught naked. Getting caught lying, getting caught denying. Oh, oh man, surely, surely that bit about the keys of the kingdom have got passed over. But suddenly, the Holy Ghost that came in his name, hallelujah, was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. If you think I'm excited, if I was 20 years later, I'd jump on top of this thing and shout, hallelujah. I'm telling you, he steps out in the crowd where there was all manner of Medes and Persians and Mesopotamians, Romans and Greeks, and the list went on, hallelujah. And he could have preached a lot of things, hallelujah. But he began to preach Jesus, why? There's no reason to be silent any longer. thousand years without the name we got the name now so it preached about Jesus and when the guilty said what shall we do hallelujah he said well you could start by repenting and then every one you know what that means in the Greek it means every one In every language under the sun, it means every woman. Honey, I'll just tell you right now, if I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name, I'd be running up here and jumping in that tank and saying, somebody put me down. I gotta have the name. I gotta have the name. I'm tired. I'm tired of just having descriptors. I'm tired of just having words that explains who he is. I want to be a people that know the wonder of his name. Woo! Hallelujah. And the glory of his name. Peter said, every one of you need to be baptized. You want to know how to make this the best Christmas? Hallelujah, let's baptize 25 people in Jesus' name today. Who cares about your beans? Who cares about the dolly under the tree? Who cares about your sugar daddy? I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the only Christmas gift worth having. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that people fight against the name. Don't be surprised that people resist it. It was foretold a long time ago. 
In Matthew, Jesus said, you're gonna be hated by all men for my name's sake. You know why? After 4,000 years of not knowing the name, they were looking for something majestic. They were looking for something that was just so out of this world. And surely after 4,000 years, he wouldn't come to a 13-year-old girl. A poor girl at that. A poor Jewish girl on top of it. A nobody who was going to marry a carpenter. And they didn't even have taxi money to go pay their taxes. They got to walk. But you know what made that journey easy? Mary walked with throngs of people going to Bethlehem to pay taxes. But she knew something nobody else knew. That which had been conceived of her was of the Holy Ghost. And she knew something the prophets didn't know. She knew something Abraham didn't know. I love this thing here. This is great. Hallelujah. Praise God. She knew something David didn't know. She knew something Jacob didn't know. She knew something none of them knew. She knew the name. Hallelujah. And it might have been a long journey for a nine-month pregnant woman. Hallelujah. But she knew something nobody else knew. She knew the name. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Peter stands up and says, if you want to know what to do, hallelujah, repent, and then get baptized, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. John chapter 20. Verse 31 says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life, how? Through his name. I do counseling. And I make people mad. Because they want, they, want um, they want a marriage miracle pill or they want a parent miracle pill or they want a job miracle pill. They come in my office, I listen to them for an hour and then I tell them, read this book and I hand them a book and on it, it looks like Christian, beginning Christianity 101, find God. I'll have them look at me and they'll say, oh, I need help with my marriage. I can't help you with your marriage till you help yourself with your soul. I've counseled dozens of people in the last 10, 15 years. I've spent a lot of time with some of them in the early years because they wouldn't read the book. But I don't think I can think of one single person that I turned them on to finding God that I ever had to do anything else. You know why? Because that Christmas gift, Jesus, doesn't do you any good sitting under the tree. 
It wasn't made to be put on a china on a china hutch and dusted off once a year and say, This is my Jesus. No, he put it in your heart. So you could take it with you when you went to the bar and when you cheated and when you lied. He put it on your heart so he could speak to you and stop you and say, wait a minute. You were made for better things than that. He put it in our heart. He put it in our heart because it's there that it can have an effect on us. And your job every day of your life is to find God. When you get out of bed in the morning, there is nothing more important than finding God. When you drive out of your driveway, there's nothing more important than finding God. It's not important that everybody gets out of your way and lets you drive 80 miles an hour. What's important is you find God. Hallelujah, when you sit down to eat, the most important thing is not getting more nutrition. The most important thing is finding God. When you go to bed at night, more important than sleep, finding God. Hallelujah, making sure his name is actively working in my life. Someday, how today I feel like some of you have left Jesus underneath the Christmas tree. But this preacher's come to stir you up. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, it can happen before you leave. If you've been putting it off, I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't want to go to bed without his name. I wouldn't want to walk out to the park. I wouldn't want to shake your hand without his name. I need his name. His name is everything. Colossians 3.17 says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all. Do it all. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The name of Jesus was the first Christmas gift, and it's the only Christmas gift that kept on giving for over 2,000 years. And all you've got to do is put on that name in baptism. And you can carry that name with you for the rest of your life. Stand with me as the musicians come. If it seems like I'm excited, it's because I am. If it seems like I love the name of Jesus, it's because I love the name of Jesus. There's no life worth living without his name. If you want to live like they did in the Old Testament with just the scriptures, I can't stop you, but I'm telling you, there's so much more when you put on his name. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Who would join me today in this altar? Maybe just to breathe his name one more time. If you need to be 